All right, I started to record. Kyle, I'm so excited to have you on my show. I love your vibes. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Just, thank you. I just read your ebook or your yes. book. So thank you for, for doing that one. And I'll, there's so much I want to talk about. And I'm going to try to try to keep it maybe around under under an hour. And, uh, but I am so intrigued by your story and also mm-hmm. how down to earth you are. And I, I just love that. And the scientific uh, approach you have to things and the, mm-hmm. the analytic brain, or like how, mm-hmm. how you see things analytically and combine right. that with, um, yeah, combine that with, you know, tuning into energies and connect to the spiritual world as well so so i would love to explore that but first of all can you tell the listeners a little bit first of all where you are sure i am physically in the boston area on the east coast of the usa and although i did grow up overseas and have been to many many countries this is where i have uh, set down roots for over three decades Wow. And yes, I want to talk about uh, getting to that. And so first of all, I will put all the links to your YouTube, your website and all that. But can you just tell the listeners, first of all, where they can find you? Yes, my main site is crystalconcentrics.com. And what I have done there is created a bit of a hub. It has my Facebook feed. It has my TikTok feed right on the homepage. And if you click on the videos, you can get to the YouTube very easily. I have a blog there. I have a podcast. And I also have a physical brick-and-mortar shop in my area on one of the main avenues here in town. And um, so I'm interfacing with the public all the time, but also because I put out two TikToks every day, uh, I get a lot of feedback and comments and interaction from the general public of all generations, people who are my age and older and much, much, much younger also, which is wonderful. Yeah, and uh, like for people that are into Instagram, like me, I'm, I'm not really a TikTok person, and I'm just amazed that yeah. you have it there as well. But I just love them; they got so much information. They're like, yeah, it's uh, so go there and have a look as well. So, so what's your handle for Instagram? The handle for everything is mm-hmm. Crystal Concentrics. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you look up Crystal Concentrics, you'll find it on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and the main website, as well as on Facebook. Hmm. And also, if people just want to be a little bit uplifted, watch his videos because it's very like good, good vibes. Oh, good, good. I'm really glad. So, you had you discovered me before uh, no. we contacted you? Okay. No, like, yeah, no. Like, it was just because uh, we, we connected now, and I was like, wow, I can't believe I haven't seen you before. And you know, but that's how universe works. You know, like it just it brings is. people together when it's time. And yeah, so let's talk about your background. In your book, you mentioned a little bit um, that you kind of been in Moscow, Brazil, and let's start from the beginning. <laughs> okay. Uh, once upon well, a time. Well, I was born in. I was yeah. Once upon a time, I was almost born in Africa, but my mother had family in France, so I was born in France, and then we shuttled back and forth to Washington D.C while we were doing overseas U.S. embassy posts 
in Moscow and Bonn, Germany and Brasilia. And interestingly, my parents went on to do Spain and China. Wow. So, so how, they come, had a, how come they did that? Like uh, were the travelers or was it because of work? No, no, it was work because um, they were with the U.S. Foreign Service and they were with the cultural agency and they were in charge of the U.S. libraries in the different countries and the press corps and dealing with foreign governments on that level, culturally, primarily. Mm. So it's very interesting that we I grew up with my parents bringing U.S. culture to the world, and then when I was first in retail, I was bringing other cultures to the U.S. through international clothing and jewelry. And then all of a sudden, by chance, I stumbled upon this whole crystal experience where I brought what seems to be essentially a sort of supernatural alien source of information to the planet to be shared with people uh, in a way that seems new and fresh and different from what is out there in terms of existing crystal lore. Mm, yeah, and that that happened about 1987 or something like that. Is yes. That right? Yeah. But before that, like so, like you were in Brazil. Is that where, when that's when you were little? Like when you got interested in crystals? Well, I was in high school there. Okay. I did all of high school there, and I got exposed to the crystals because you know we visited some jewelers and we visited some mining towns and we bought some crystals and. It was it was great. In fact, it's funny that you should say that. I'm remembering now that the earth around Brasilia is red. And I believe that in Australia you have that in some places also. And it's a very special quality to the land that, that when you have red earth. Yeah, I still haven't gone out there to the de desert, like to the out in the outback. Like I want to do that one day as well. I got a urge of going there, and yeah, that's right. But, well, you've been there long enough. It's time. Yeah, I know. I know. It's time <laughs> for me to step up with everything. So, is why I just wanted to ask you because you mentioned another. Uh, I think I listened to High Journey with you, and I just love that, like that podcast with her. Like, a, but you you were saying it's a crystal capital, um, which where uh, is it? The crystal country or like Brazil? Were well, you in the capital? Like, were you in Brazil or were you in the actual country Brazil? Because <laughs> I was a, in the country Brazil yeah, yeah. in Brasilia, which Brasilia, is the capital. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was looking, I was doing a search online earlier today, and I was looking at amethyst production. And I don't know, you know, if it was thousands of tons or whatever it was, but the global production of amethyst was like 5,300. And Brazil was producing 3,800 of that. Wow. So that just gives you a little sense of the volume. Mm. Um, the thing is that... Madagascar is not known for its amethyst, um, but Madagascar is producing enormous, like comparable amounts of stone to Brazil, um, just because of whatever the the gift of nature to that particular landmass. Mm, wow! Yeah, I just wanted to to check in on that because it really interests me. So let's talk about 1987. What happened? <laughs> 
Oh, you want the story? Yes, I want the story. I want the listeners <laughs> to hear the story because, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you the abbreviated version. Just, and uh, sorry to to interrupt. Can we just uh, yeah. put your camera up a little bit so it's a little bit space? Oh, above. sorry. So Let's for have you more listeners, space. yeah, that's better. Like for you <laughs> listeners that are listening on just on the audio, we're doing a video as well. That's going to be put up yes. on Kyle's uh, YouTube if he wants to. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. I already want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was born wanting to. Yeah. Now, about this story, just so that your listeners know that it wasn't until maybe five years ago, and now it's actually kind of coming back to me, that whenever I tell this story, I get goosebumps and feel all funny because it was very, very intense. Um, in summary... I went to a crystal shop, which was owned by someone who has since become a pretty big name, a very big name in the New Age metaphysical crystal business world. And uh, he gave me a Moldavite at the time, and I didn't think anything of it until I was leaving his place when I suddenly experienced this extraordinary vortex of energy coming down through me and into my pocket where the stone was. And it felt like it was sort of, it was odd because the energy was coming into me and it was also coming up through the ground, um, but it somehow felt like it was pulling life energy out of me. So it was not a fun experience, and I immediately took it out and I put it on the floor of the car. Um, and that night when I was having a dream, um, I was working at my shop. I had been working at a natural food store, and this nondescript woman came up uh, outside and opened her mouth and created this extraordinary sound that I had never heard before. And... Um, and I looked around to see if anyone had heard it, and nobody else but I heard it. And I opened my mouth and responded in the same language. And it was so extraordinary um, to just sort of witness myself having this conversation in a language that I had never heard that was conveying real amounts of information. Now, I don't know if I should tell you what the information was or entice the people to get the book oh, in order yeah. to learn the details. I think they still should go and get the book because it's you got so much information there that's invaluable. Like it's uh, yeah, but if you want to share whatever you want to do, Kyle, it's uh, okay. if you would like to share maybe tease you a little bit. Sure, Please. I'll do a little teaser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Basically, um, basically, uh, there was a it was a situation in which I was being given the opportunity to reconnect with. Uh, the alien race that had that I had somehow come from, and I refused because I had I told them that I had spent too much time here, and I was not going anywhere. I was too uh, invested in my terrestrial existence. So they tried a few more times to lure me away. 
Um, and, and they did not succeed. Obviously, here I am all these years later. But what happened, the strangest thing, I mean, aside from that being an extremely strange experience, and there were some weird follow-up visions that I had too, but the strangest outcome, the most unexpected outcome, was that I suddenly knew all this information about crystals within a week, two weeks of that whole experience. And I had no idea why that was, except that the knowledge had come through the Moldavite and through that experience of, of interfacing with that extraterrestrial encounter. Um, and so then from there, I was like, suddenly I knew what to do with people and I could read people's past lives and I could do healing work on people. And I also began to buy and sell the stones because if the stones are the currency of the crystal energetic economy, then more stones equals more possible connections, more things that can happen, more possibilities. And so bit by bit, I built up my collection and then I started buying selling and then I did lots of other things career-wise and I came back to it full-time around the time of the Mayan big calendar event of 2012. Now, I don't particularly follow astrology and I don't, and I don't particularly read too much into those types of things but <clears throat> when a coincidence is that obvious it's hard to ignore so i'm willing to accept whichever way those things are connected it happened in 2012 and it happened in 1987 and i turned full time back into the crystals and uh it was and i don't know if i'm getting ahead of myself or if you want, have other questions you no, want to no, ask. No, no, please, go. I'll just, go. I'll just fro flow. <laughs> it's, it's nice to have a coffee with you and just talk about this. Is that I lovely? know, it's yeah. like we're sitting across oh, from the breakfast table. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> See, yeah. you're going to be on video. You should absolutely <laughs> be doing video. You're great at it. <laughs> um, so what happened for me was that after all of those years – where I had been more uh, private with my practice, uh, except for the fact that I was working on people, um, I realized I needed to start teaching this information and sharing it with other people. And I went from a sort of healer stage to more of an educator stage, which is where I'm at now, uh, where most of my time I spend educating people. Um, and also, of course, I buy and sell because... My standards are very high because I know what are the most energetically useful and uh, significant stones. Um, and, and, I, and, and at that time, what is it, almost 11, nine years ago, I started to teach classes and then I began to systematize. And then that led one step to another to me creating this book because I wanted to capture in one place all of my teachings so you can you can know what my teachings are from reading the book you can't experience them or maybe teach them but uh but it goes a long way towards my leaving a legacy statement about what it is that i've learned and what it is that i do and uh, uh, just uh, when you connected with this being or this lady uh, that had the sound like, a, uh, did they ever tell you 
where they are from? No, there was no. I mean, it, the, the the specific quote was, "The mothership is over us mm. now." Would be a good time to join us again. Mm. That was the extent of the communication. And my response was, no, I've been here too long. I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> You've got um, a mission. <laughs> too much to do, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, well, I didn't even same. know this aspect of the mission at the time. But what I think is interesting is that um, because we spoke the same language, because we, I knew exactly what she was referring to, there was an inner knowing about our relationship that I would never have known otherwise until that experience. So mm-hmm. in the experience, so it, it, I didn't, I didn't have to be, it didn't have to be spelled out to me. We're from here and you were from there and we can reconnect now. Like I automatically knew that. And I automatically knew that language, which was so freaky because, uh, I had no basis for knowing it, and I had never heard anything like it before. Um, I've since realized that that is an actual sound that people can make, um, but and, and it may be some sort of alien tongue from people who know how to use it. Um, and the power of it is is so extraordinary. The power of sound that in one of my visions I saw that it could, you know, destroy, it could disapparate whole buildings, um, which is pretty strong stuff. Was it was it more like a sound than words? Was it more like it a was vibration of it? Words. It was not words. Uh, it, mm. was, it was for those who are familiar with it or who will go out and research it, it was what is called harmonic singing mm-hmm. or toning. So it was it was like two or three tones simultaneously going. So it was a sound, and the sound conveyed words and meaning. Mm. And it was more like telepathically as well, like more like, you know, that Well, connection. I heard it. Yeah, I heard it. Well, but yeah, I like heard yeah, it, connected. but nobody else had to hear it in order for me to understand what mm-hmm. it was, which, yeah. is, which is the telepathic thing, because it was through a glass window, Um and nobody else could hear it. So, so in a sense, it was it was hyper focused and hyper directed, so that only you could. It's like it's like as if you and I were having an entire conversation, and your audience was unable to hear a single word that we said. Mm-hmm. But here we were nodding our heads and and conveying information. That's what it was like, which is pretty bizarre. Oh, yeah. Oh, th- oh, that's pretty cool because, yeah, like I've had a little bit of light language, um, that kind of uh, connections as well. So, and I have friends that do that. And uh, I find it's quite fascinating because you have to use another sense. And, like, you know, you have to, or everything you have learned in your earth life, you just have to throw it out <laughs> and start over again when you do the connection. You know, you just have to be like a child <laughs> and, like, okay, I... let's start again. And, yeah, I just find it very. Um, there's one thing I want to interject because we've been talking about Australia mm-hmm. and you're in Australia. And I have to tell you that years later, after this experience, I saw a movie that was very powerful for me um, in terms of evoking this type of experience. And you may have heard of it. It's called The Last Wave. Yes. 
Yeah. It was recorded there in Australia. Very important movie to me. Um, I really think that there's something there that people who are interested in this type of stuff need to experience. Mm. Very, yeah. So, uh, what, what else w- would you like to talk about? <laughs> Have you? Can um, I just ask you before we go into? I want to talk a little bit about the book and understanding how to work with the stones and all the terms and all that as well. But have you had any more encounters uh, after that? Um, no, it was all within about three weeks of each other. Mm. And the Moldavite that you were gifted, um, yes. that was from, what's his name again? Robert Simmons. Yes. of, uh, And um, he gave that to me, and I ended up giving or selling it to someone else who really wanted it. Mm. Um, and it was interesting because she was not well she was she had something that was trying to take her away physically she was uh ill and i think that she was drawn to it for her own purposes in order to make her next steps Hmm. so i didn't because i had already like after that happened i wasn't touching moldavite for 20 years so i certainly didn't need it and i was happy to pass it along to someone who did want it and who did feel like they could use it. Um, but that doesn't mean that the energy or the voice or the message or the mission of Taylor Stone with me was going to be the exact same thing for anybody else. And, yeah, because I want to ask you about – I got so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kyle, um, I want to ask you about – uh, people that hold on to, or first of all, the terms like how you describe crystals, stones, rocks. Can you just tell people sure. which is which, <laughs> please? <laughs> right, surely. Yeah, I got that question actually on TikTok recently, and I'm going to be making a response video about it. So you said crystals, stones, rocks. So rocks to me are basically what you will find in a stream or on a hike or in a driveway they're non non very not descript particularly um now all of the rocks are stones and all of the crystals are also stones but the thing that makes crystals unique is that they have a particular formation a termination that makes them a crystal for example this lovely piece here. This is a great big New Hampshire smoky quartz, and it's taken this shape. Now, does that mean that... Can you hold it closer to you because it kind of blurs it out for everyone? Yeah, there you go. If you have it in front of you... uh, In front of you right there. Yeah, (laughs) for anyone uh, watching the video, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, That's great. So this is a wonderful piece, actually. This is the better side to show. Um... But the point I'm trying to make is that we use the term crystal loosely and we use it to refer to everything, but we use crystals to refer to the stones that have that little extra ump that we like in the metaphysical world. Mm. And for many years, and this is one of the things that I talk about in the book, uh, for many years I was – I had a sort of 
snobby prejudice against rocks and stones that you would just find. And I finally realized that I did have a place for them in my 10 energy zone system and that that place was in foundation, the foundation energy zone. And I call all of that stuff bedrock, which is basically the continents, the foundation of the whole planet. And that is a very important function to it. But I want to make a distinction also that a crystal is a beautifully formed stone that you know comes to a point in, in the traditional ways that they do. But we also call something like this. Can you see this okay? Yes. This is a lapis. And the lapis, even though it never forms into a crystal proper, we can call it a crystal also because it has a very specific structure. It contains calcite and pyrite and uh, lazurite, and together they make up what is called lapis. And as such, you can call it a microcrystalline crystal, whereas this is a macrocrystalline crystal. So this is a big, so big that you can see it. But the things that make lapis lapis are very small, but together they make the lapis stand out as being different from a piece of granite or whatever else it might be. So Does that kind of answer? Yes, thank you so much. Uh, and in terms <laughs> of if you talk about sizes, and uh, because like it's, I, I have a friend and she's got a very small crystal crystal and she said oh my god this one has got so much energy and power compared with the bigger one she has and that's the same crystal like the same crystal same family. type yeah, yeah same type yeah so what what is it with that well it's kind of like what happened with the Moldavite for me, it was a relatively smallish piece, you know, uh, tip of your finger, but it did everything it needed to do. Um, and a larger piece may or may not do it, but also small pieces may or may not do it. I don't tend to get too excited about a tumbled piece of lapis when I can have a piece like this because I like to hold them and I believe that the increased contact of your skin with the stone enhances your capacity to connect with whatever it is that's going on with it. That doesn't mean that a small stone can't pack a punch, but it means that this has more of what makes a lapis a lapis than a small piece of lapis. Mm. And the same is true with a piece of um, – let me see if I have it here. Gosh. Oh, I super don't have it here. Um, but I am wearing uh, a substantial Moldavite here. This, oh, that one this is circle beautiful. Here. Oh, my yes. goodness. And this one is special because it has a triangle on the back, and it's indented. It's quite magnificent. Um, so in more recent years, once I got over my fear of Moldavite, which happened because I was buying and selling more, and there was so much interest in it, I had to get it and have it around, and then I got used to it, and I realized it wasn't going to be a problem for me, um, and, and, and on the big pieces, what I like is that there's like a whole – think of it this way. Think of it this way. You may have seen someone who has a very deluxe doghouse. They've built – you know, has wonderful little carvings and all this type of stuff. 
and then you think of a cathedral. And the cathedral is just a larger version of the structure with a lot more nooks and crannies, a lot more detail to it that went into it. Um, and so a bigger Moldavite has that surface area and the internal area that make it more of an experience for me. Hmm. So does that sort of yes. answer? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. I've, um, also, in terms of uh, one more important thing uh, before we go on, is I would like to ask you, because you have another take on uh, clearing or cleaning crystals and how you handle them when you get them, because... You always hear like, oh, put them in salt water or put them under the, you know, moonlight or in the sun or do this and this and this. What's your take? Yes, that's one of the main themes in my book is the ways in which I have differed. Uh, and it's not like, well, when I first started, I didn't really know better. I had information and I heard all the things about cleansing and clearing. And I had a very bad experience, which I share in the book, which is that I had cleared and cleansed a uh, piece of emerald, a little cluster of emerald that was lovely and wonderful. And I still remember the energy of that stone before I cleared and cleansed it. And as soon as I cleared and cleansed it, the energy went away. It just hid. It disappeared. Um, and, and, and I learned from that lesson never to do that again because I believe that the stones come to us with intrinsic energies and messages and functions that we interfere with when we attempt to mess with them because of what I call the sponge theory, which is that crystals are merely sponges and, and that all they do is sit around absorbing negative energy. And I think that is absolutely not what they do. They, they have their own energy signature, and if you allow them to do what they do best and you don't interfere it, with it, that you're more, you're able to get more and better energy out of them. I, I see them uh, as a, a kind of condensed, uh, condensed energy, <laughs> and uh, they yeah, are. I, I, I talk to them too. <laughs> it might sound yes. silly, but I do talk to them like "Hello, I love you," <laughs> and uh, you know, like because I feel they have a certain vibration, and uh, and also the misconception that I, I think we have, which I read in the book as well, is that. Uh, we are there to reset them <laughs> and that's not yeah so can can you sh share the take oh yeah your view yes of that. well there's well there's two things i want to touch on based on what you said one is our penchant or tendency to anthropomorphize them which um is not something that I do, but many people do, including you. So it's okay to love your crystals and to talk to them and, and to, to, to be with them in a way that feels personal and connected and meaningful for you. Um, I personally tend to think of them much more impersonally, um, such that they don't really have names or genders or identities in the ways that we tend to. Um, but what they do have is the thing that you said at the beginning, which is a specific energy signature, a little bundle of 
this is what I do, and this is what I do better than any other stone in the universe. And, and, and so I, what I call my capacity to recognize those energy signatures is called being geosentient. Yes, so geosent- that was my next question. <laughs> okay. Yes, please, yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah, geosentience is um, – is and, and I came up with a brand new word that you're going to hear on this show for the first time, which is fun. Um, but geosentience is the capacity to sense those energies in the stones. And this new word, which actually I think I may have mentioned in a TikTok, is geoempathic. So geoempathic is a little different from geosentience. So geosentience means I am aware of what's going on. And I can feel that energy. But geoempathic may be a, a, a more of a, a transfer of energy one way or the other, where my energy is going into the stone or the stone's energy is going into me and taking over. And it's, it's, a, it's a more involved experience, um, which, you know, people say to me, oh, how can you be around all those crystals? Doesn't it, isn't it overwhelming and too much energy? And I just tell them it's like being around wild animals in a wildlife reserve. You get used to them there. Okay, so there's the lion and there's the rhinoceros or whatever it is that's there. Um, and you're no longer like, oh, my God, that's a, an ostrich or whatever it is. You get used to it. Uh, and that's what happens for me. Oh, that is, that is a good uh, yeah take on it. So, to go into the the ten energy zones, so could you talk uh, through a little bit about that? Not you know, not very important. Yeah, very, very important. Like yeah. So the ten energy zones are significant for two reasons. One, all stones can be categorized as one of these ten which makes it very handy and logical, like you said at the beginning of the show. Uh, it's a very methodical way of thinking about it, and it makes it much easier, I think, to think of all the stones in one of these 10 energy zones than having an amorphous, endless list of whatever it is that people have when they talk about the stones. Um, what makes it relevant in a second way is that these 10 energy zones speak to various, I won't say all aspects, but they speak to various key aspects of the human experience. So foundation, for example, speaks to uh, generations, ancestors, your past, your own younger life. All of those things are are reside in the foundation energy zone and there are stones that resonate with that whole experience and we could go through all 10 of them but you're maybe familiar from the chakra system with the heart or in the chakra system they call this the throat i call it voice and so what i do with my 10 energy zone system is i take it away from a necessarily physical location on the body and instead I talk about the concept of what is it really. So throat is a place on your body. 
But voice is a concept that's much bigger than that. Voice has to do with how we take abstract notions, concepts, images, visions, and then we formulate them into words so that we can express them in the outside world. So that's just a little glimpse into what foundation and voice are all about. But there's heart, there's self, this this one is a big one. So it's called crown in the chakra system. Crown, again, is a sort of physical concept because a crown doesn't necessarily float. It sits right on your head. Whereas my name for that energy zone is source. And source is much, much bigger than crown because it, it's, the, it's the interface between the individual and the ascended and the eternal from this vantage point. Um, yeah. And whereas foundation, foundation, in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually grab the book. You haven't seen this. This is a proof Ooh. of the book. And it's got all yes. the pages. Yes. So that's super exciting. And the thing I want to show you here you on the show... You hold it in front of your face because uh, all will. the other sides are... Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. you're going to tell me exactly where to hold it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got, what I am trying to find, and I'm sorry for the people who are doing this audio, but you will then have an incentive to get the book and see what it looks like yeah, visually. Yeah, it's well worth it. You know, even like the ebook, it, it's got all the details about everything, and 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 through the chapters as well. You've got like all the the crystals, rocks, or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, just there. I'm, it's I'm not finding the page I'm looking oh, for. Okay, yeah, but, but it has really a good. diagram. Yes, it has a diagram. Yeah. It's the only diagram in the entire book. Everything else is a photo of the crystals, and they're all big, beautiful crystal photos and wonderful specimens from my collection or from my selection that I sell from too. So it's kind of fun to 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 show people, hey, this book, this crystal is inside of my book. And I'll show you this other thing. Can you see this okay? Oh if you put it push it back a little bit. Yeah. Oh, Closer. oh you got there cards we... as well. Have you is it so like I Oracle have cards? cards as well. It's called my Crystal Meditation and Affirmation Card Deck. You you sell them on your website, yeah? I do sell it on the website, and I have 80 stones represented in here. And in the book, I have 177 photos and Mm. 250-odd actual crystals that I talk about. Mm. Wow. So it's a that's awesome. Yeah, on the, I, I just have a, a question which is kind of related to the the zones and the chakras. But you know, when you talk about the higher self, do you know anything about that? Because in the Egyptian time, they had they have a similar. It's they call it the car. Do you know anything about oh, that? Oh, I don't know about no, the car. Yeah, yeah, I have to. Although I did spend a past life in Egypt. Oh, cool. What what were so you doing? So at that point, I you <laughs> really you want to know? Yes, please. <laughs> I was the chief embalmer of the um, of the pharaohs or whoever was in charge at the time. Yeah, and I I met my end during a revolt in which the people who killed me were running up a pyramid that I was at the top of, and that was the last memory I have. Was that, did, did you have like, was it kind of a memory flash or was it more like a regression or meditation or how do you get? 
it was a memory flash. Wow. It was like it was a clear vision. I'm here. This is what I do, who I am, and this is the way I'm dying. Uh, how did you look like? Did you, did you see I, that, I was looking out of my eyes, yeah. so I didn't see yeah. There was no <laughs> Skype or Zoom. Oh, how cool. <laughs> how cool. Although they had the mirrors. They did have the mirrors there. Oh, they did? But I didn't get enough of, oh, yeah, the Egyptians were invented the mirrors. So, you know, that's the, I mean, it was burnished metal or glass or something like that, but they did it. Um, and interestingly, this is a little tidbit from my travels, at Machu Picchu, they have a beautiful sort of indented reflecting pool that was meant to reflect the sky so that they could see the stars in the water wow. and do their astrology. Wow. When did Pretty, you go there? Was that when you I, went to Brazil around that same time? Or? No, it was much later. It was more recently. I want to say it was 2013 or 2011. How was that experience? Oh, it was fantastic. It was great. Peru was amazing. Um, and uh, we went to some very special places, including completely secluded uh, temples in the in the mountains. Ooh, tell um, me. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, there was this one. There was we had a so we had a tour guide for the whole trip. But this one day we had to go with a different tour guide because he was kind of a shaman leader of his small population group, and so he took us to this secret temple that they had only that only he had access to show and so we climbed up it wasn't a big mountain it was a, a, a sort of a hill and you went up and there were the stones were like this in a great big pyramid open pyramid shape so they had this sort of platform with the pyramid overlook and then they had a an altar and the altar there was a very finely polished granite as i recall it was a red granite um and then to the sides they had dug in squares rectangles into the stone and in those stone in those uh, cr uh little open cabinets as it were were placed mummies of ancestors and other people so they would be doing their rituals in view of these mummies, which is pretty wild stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I bet you have a lot of other stories as well. But yeah, I want to go over and uh, in terms of the... Um, the Chris, are like, I'm going to try to wrap it up a little bit, and maybe I can have you on the show later on another in the near future. That would be Absolutely. lovely because I've, I've got more questions. I so, know you'll think of other things after you watch yeah. it, also, and your audience may have questions, which I love yes, to for answer. Sure. So, in terms of, um, it's more for my audience. Uh, uh, for, for people that might be a little bit of a beginner and would like to have the top five crystals, mm. uh, you know, the the common question. But I think it's very important question to, to, to ask. And, you know, if you want something for protection, for, for prosperity, mm. for love, or just something, would you recommend... Because in your videos and when you talk, you say like, you know, they, 
if that's uh, my interpretation, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, that they should decide and feel the energy or should you have someone else recommend a stone or, or gem? Oh, you're yeah. saying should the individual yes. figure it out or should they follow yeah. recommendations? Well, what do you um, think about that? Because sometimes you go into crystal shops and, and people, oh, yeah, this one is good for you. While right. I think my my this is my personal point of view, I just feel... And right. Yeah. What do you think? What What should you do? Um, I find well, in observing people's buying habits, I have found that while there are many people who are driven and directed by the books that they read, and the books tell them that they need this, so they come in and they say, "I have to have this, and only this will do," because my book told me so. So that is a mentality that exists. I think I prefer your approach more, which is to be driven by your intuition as to what you're attracted to. And ultimately, I find that when people purchase things, they're purchasing mostly on their personal attraction to the stone. Now, that being said, I always get the question about what are the top five um beginner stones that I recommend. And I take two different approaches. One is to say, well, as a beginner, you should get a few stones that have radically different tactile energies so that you can sense the distinctions and teach yourself how to identify them so that later you can build on that and get other stones. Because now, if you understood the difference between, say, a very light amber and a very dense hematite, then that shows you a real polarity. And that helps you to then add and see subtle other subtle differences between the stones. Alternatively, you can say, okay, well, instead of taking an energetic approach, why don't I just pick you know, the top five easiest ones that are most accessible? Because often when people are starting, they don't come in and say, okay, I want the most expensive and the most extraordinary stone. Although that's true with Moldavite. People will be like, I want to go to the stars. Give me the best. Um, and that's, that's great. But I find if I had to do a top five, um, I suppose black tourmaline would be a good one on the basis of protection or boundaries and limits and stuff like that. Rose quartz would have to be one because it has to do with unconditional love. You mentioned two things, prosperity and relationship, which I think are a little more complex and sophisticated for me to say, okay, this one stone. And I have a whole thing in the book about that, yes. both of those, So and videos about that too. But so there we are. We have our uh, black tourmaline. We have our rose quartz. I think smoky quartz is an absolute must, and it's n people don't know it as well. Clear quartz is another absolute must, and probably amethyst or hematite. But those are like all really easy, obvious, accessible stones that you can learn about and buy and experience cheaply um, as a way of getting into it as a start. And then just like in the tactile method that I gave as option one, in this other one, as you get used to the concepts and, and energies of these five, then you expand and build out to get other things. What is your view of people putting them in the water? Um, 
I don't care about it at all. Because <laughs> uh, some of them are actually dangerous if they get absorbed in the water. Right. There was right. There are some things that are toxic, and there are also things that can be damaged by the salt water. And I never recommend using salt at all, um, or putting things in the water in general. But putting things in a running stream is a little bit like putting it in the moonlight or putting it um, in the ground. These are techniques by which people use nature as a way of kind of re-energizing or conditioning the stones so that they can do what they do even better than they did before. Um, I don't generally do any of those things myself because this thing has been doing the same thing for 30 years. I don't have to worry about it losing any of its oomph. But part of the reason I don't have to worry about it is that I don't put it around really negative people. I don't, uh, I don't try to change it in any way. I just let it be. And uh, uh, what I also um, I kind of meant as well, <clears throat> people putting it in drinking water. Oh, yes, mm. the elixirs. Yeah. I did a video about that recently. Yes, and that I think so, you had a good point in the book about that as well. So. And I do another video mm. about that where I just figure if the, I like to eat food. I don't like to eat rocks. So I don't tend to want to drink the elixirs or mess with that at all when I can just – if I want these two stones' energies – why don't I just pick them up? And I just find that's a much more direct way of experiencing them rather than trying to soak water and then ingest and then see what happens from there. So just yeah, not a priority. Yeah, because you mentioned like especially selenite, that kind of <laughs> selenite can melt, and and it's and it's not something you should breathe at all. Mm. So it probably isn't something you want to have in your drinking water either. Yeah. So so Kyle. What, how do you ground yourself? Like, yeah, so, um, so what do you do to ground yourself and keep yourself balanced? Because, you know, with everything that's going on in the world and. Right. Um, I use grounding stones. Mm -hmm. And the top three grounding stones that come to my mind immediately that I think are wonderful are hematite, is one. Uh, because it's mostly iron. And then also I like uh, the iron meteorites. The iron meteorites are particular, are better than hematite in a way because their capacity for grounding incorporates a trajectory from space to Earth that was stopped by the Earth's surface or it would have gone straight to the core. So there's this linear connectivity between the underworld and the overworld that exists with those meteors. And then the third one, which is the stone's stone, is ruby. I love ruby as the ultimate grounding stone. Nice. So those, that's how I do it. Mm. And uh, for you, what, is, uh, uh, what's, what does your future look like? What is my future like? Well, if I had a crystal ball, oops, I have many crystal balls. Um, no, I will say um, my goal is to put this book out there and to 
impact as many people as possible with this perspective uh, so that they know that there is an alternative. Because one of the great things, the surprises of some of my hugely viral videos, some of which talk about my ideas against cleansing, clearing, and programming, um, is that there are many people who said, oh, that always made sense, but I didn't know that it was okay to feel that way and I felt that uh, that I was doing it wrong because other people were telling me I had to do this, this, and this and I'm doing that, that, and that. Um, so for me, it has a double purpose. One is to get the word out about what my inspiration was and then second is to resonate with other people and give them a belief system that they can sink their teeth into and, and understand the logic of and therefore get even more out of the stones than they would otherwise. Nice. So where can people find you again? Like, tell, okay, like, people tell can people. find me. Yeah, it's all about the brand Crystal Concentrics. Um, uh, I'm going to have my book on sale there, and I'm going to have um, I have all the videos. I have my YouTube is Crystal Concentrics, website crystalconcentrics.com, Instagram, TikTok, and even Facebook. So on all of those different social media, some people, like you said, you're more of an Instagram person, will gravitate towards one more than the other. <coughs> but wherever you go, you will be able to find me. And you will be able to ask me questions like on TikTok. TikTok is particularly good because people will ask me a question and I can make a reply video specifically addressing that question. That's great. So that's where you find me and that's how we can interact. Hop on my mailing list and uh, get the book when it comes out. Yeah. Oh, great. And I'll put everything on the show notes page on all the podcast app, uh, Ascension Talk with Yenny, and also on my blog on ascensiontalk.com as well. And you will be blog number, let's see, 11, 12, I think. <laughs> so hey, 11, 11 or 12 yeah <laughs> so I, you actually inspire me to open a, a, um, uh, a youtube uh, channel now so i'm going to do that but i, I send this you video. absolutely should. i send this video as well so you can put it up on your youtube so okay, thank you great. so much for sharing with uh, with me your story and all your expertise i yeah but i hope you have to have you on in the near future that would be wonderful Surely. Well, I'm sure you'll come up with more questions and I'll look forward to that. And I am most grateful that you said, yes, let's let's do this interview. It's been a good time. And uh, it's like we had this a nice coffee tea in the morning and um, and we included all of your audience, which you love and I love. And they they're what make this uh, all worth it because their ears and their thoughts and their feelings about all this stuff are so valuable and important to consider. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. And thank you, Kyle. 
If you want to know more about Kyle, I put all the links uh, to his social media under the show notes page, or you can go to my website, ascensiontalk.com, or that direct, uh, director, his episode is on my blog, which is episode number 12 on ascensiontalk.com. And I actually did open a YouTube channel, so you can search for Ascension Talk with Jenny and find this video there. Okay, I catch you next time. Until then, please take care of yourself, ground yourself and have a good time. (laughs) Bye.